Well, good morning again, and welcome to Faith. As we are here today, this morning, we're going to be looking in the 51st Psalm, a very touching psalm, what has been called a penitential psalm. It's a psalm where King David is pouring out his heart to God. It's been uh, some time since his sin with Bathsheba, and he was confronted by Nathan the prophet, and he is reaching out to God and asking, he's confessing, and I believe this is a psalm with which we can all identify. I believe there have been times in our life where where we've sinned against God and we have maybe harbored that sin or tried to hide it and we come to the point where we we can handle it no longer and we fall on our face before God and we we confess and say yes I did it and we feel horrible and we ask God's forgiveness and we ask God to to cleanse our heart cleanse our mind and restore unto us as David did the joy of our salvation because we know according to Romans chapter 3 verse 23 we're all what we're all sinners we know that we've sinned we know that Adam sinned in the garden of Eden and from Adam all have been born sinners and it is not unusual for us to disobey God for us to sin or for us to fall prey to to pride or lust or whatever uh, may uh, may come before us and we succumb to that that temptation and we sin sometimes we're quick to confess sometimes we we wait a period of time and hoping nobody uh, will will find it out and then someone does and we're caught in sin and then we confess and I hope that we're not sorry that we were caught but that as we see David here truly penitent truly sorry and realizes that it's against God and and God only that we've sinned and the hurt that sin causes the heart of God and and what sin has the the pain that it placed upon our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ because he had to divest himself of the glory that he had with God in heaven and come to the earth and take upon himself the form of human flesh and become a man and suffer and ultimately eventually die on the cross for our sin buried and then rise again on the third day all that because of mankind's sin and so when we sin it's all we have to remember that it is it's sin that led jesus to the cross and we're all in need of mercy and we're all in need of cleansing uh, it, it this is what paints the the sad but touching scene before us that we see in the 51st psalm david is confessing his sin and he's crying out to God for cleansing. Matthew Henry, the commentator, says, Though the heart is overwhelmed, yet it may be lifted up to God in prayer. There are times when we don't feel like praying, but that is a time where we need to pray the most. And we know that God will come to us, meet us in our time of need. He will be there for us, and we know that he will provide for us and as we're going to see in psalm 55 next week when david was in a time of of great trouble because a close friend had betrayed him he knows that god will be there for him he trusts in god and his prayer was continual but here we see a a prayer of penitence and we see first of all that it's a cry for 
cleansing. We see that in verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 51. Psalm 51, verses 1 and 2, uh, we see, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. We see the king is painfully aware of his sins. We know that David is realizing that he has sinned because Nathan the prophet has come to him and let him know that he, in fact, had sinned. And we see here that the conscience of King David has been awakened. And it may have been a period of a year or so since this happened because we know that the young child uh, that was a result of that sin has died and Nathan the prophet comes to to David. So there's a period of time that David may have been trying to hide his sin or to think that he can get over it and get beyond it without going to God and without uh, taking time to, to go before God and confess to God his sin. So his conscience has been awakened. And he says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin so so it's a, a cry where king david wants cleansing he needs cleansing he feels dirty he feels that he has let his god down and we see here that the convicting work of the holy spirit is doing what bearing its fruit it's the holy spirit that convicts us yes nathan the prophet confronted him yes nathan the prophet told david david you're the man you're the one that did this to this very innocent individual. And, you know, th- that would have been enough for, you know, in, in, in other things. But when it comes before God and our sin, it's not enough for us to simply be confronted with our sin. We have to realize that it is sin and how we have hurt God. And David realizes his need for cleansing. And so that's what he is asking for. That is what he is crying out for. He senses his need for cleansing. Uh, Spurgeon said, pardon of sin must always be an act of pure mercy, and therefore the awakened sinner flees to his pardoning Lord. Pardon for sin must always be an act of pure mercy. We know that because Jesus died on the cross for us, that our sin is forgiven but it still must cause us to flee to him, to run to him and realize that we need that cleansing. Because you see, we need to face our sins before we can seek forgiveness, before we can confess to him. So David realizes that he has sinned. Now when we sin, how quick are we to confess and come before him? Do we wait a year? Do we wait months? Do we wait days? And we, we see in David's writings, not only here in Psalm, but we see in Second Samuel where this, this account is given, Nathan the prophet, and what transpires uh, between the time of David's sin and subsequently after his confession. But we see that David has suffered emotionally, he's suffered spiritually, and he's also suffered physically 
because of this period of time that's transpired when he has been trying to either hide his sin or to not think about it or to to internalize it and just not deal with it at all so it comes to the point where david realizes he needs this cleansing wash me thoroughly wash me through and through inside and out from my sin from my iniquity cleanse me from my sin our realization of the sinfulness of sin ought to drive us to our heavenly father rather than pull us away it ought to drive us to him because we know that he is a forgiving god and he is rich in mercy and it's it's god's uh, he what he does in verse one have mercy upon me O god according to your loving kindness he he appeals to the loving and compassionate God, knowing that God will hear him and knowing that God is going to forgive him. So we need to face our sin before we seek forgiveness. And then secondly, what we see in verses 3 through verse 9, we see the confession. We see David reaching out to God and confessing what he's done. We see in verse number 3 through verse 9, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. He says, purge me with hyssop. He's speaking of ceremonial cleansing. And I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my Iniquities. He says in verse number three, I acknowledge my transgressions. And that's what God expects of us. He simply wants us to own up to our sin. Is it easy for us to do that at times? No, not always. Because even though we know God knows, even though we understand that God is aware of everything, it's still difficult for us to name the sin and why is that well because hopefully because we're ashamed of it hopefully because as paul said some some of the sins that are committed they're not even spoken of in 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 general company in in mixed company so sometimes we need to be so aware of our sin so aware of the sinfulness of our sin and so ashamed of our sin that we know we need to be clean. We know we need to be cleansed. And this is the way we come to God. I acknowledge my transgression. And we see David holds nothing back. He lets it all out before God. God, I've done this. God, this is horrible. He says, I acknowledge my transgressions, verse 3. Now, what do we see in verse number 3 when he says, my sin is always before me? What do you think he's saying? What happens when you go to bed, you're not asleep yet, 
and you're alone with your own thoughts, can't get to sleep, what happens? We mull over. We go back over those things that are troubling us, that are bothering us. And David, even though it's been possibly a year, David said, it's always there. It's like the, uh, the proverbial albatross that we, that's that tongue around our neck, that it's there until it rots and falls off, stinks, horrible. You know, the, the story of the albatross about the neck as the, the, the punishment. Uh, so sin was like the albatross around David's neck, the unconfessed sin. Always before him, always when he was least expecting it, it came back to him. And I'm sure that night or that afternoon came back to him or that decision and hearing the news that her husband had been killed in battle because of what David had ordered. All of these things, I'm sure, came thundering back or flowing back into David's mind over and over and over again. My sin is always before me. Verse 4, against you, you only have I sinned. What What does David realize? It's about God. And he disobeyed God. And he says, and I've done this evil in your sight. He says, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. What's David saying there? You're right, God. I'm, I'm the one that's wrong, not you. I want you to know, God, that I believe that everything you say is right, and when you speak and when you judge, it's correct. But what do we often do as human beings? We try to rationalize our sin. We try to say, well, God, I don't know that you really meant that. Or, God, I don't agree with that. Every time God speaks in his word, every time God speaks through his Holy Spirit to our mind and our spirit, God's just and God's right. And so if something seems wrong, guess what? Probably wrong. And it's his Holy Spirit trying to bring it back to us. Verse 5, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward part and in the hidden part. Will you make me to know wisdom? He bears his heart to his forgiving Lord. I think that's a very good model for our confessing prayer when we pray to him. Not just a quick, oh God, forgive me. But God, I feel so horrible for what I've done. God, I know that that you are right. And I know that when I did this, I grieved your heart. And I know that if I would have done what you said, it would have been best from the beginning. And I know, Lord, that, that this is horrible, this is terrible, that what I've done. And so, you know, sometimes we, we tend to categorize sin. And we tend to say, well, you know what? That was just a white lie. That was just... A minor sin? Well, what is sin? Sin is sin. Sinfulness is our problem. And sin, the things that we do, is simply an outgrowth of what we are. We are sinners saved by grace. And while we're still on this side of heaven, we are still prone to disobeying God. We still have the old human nature that is still within us. Redeemed though it is, we know that it's still prone 
to disobeying God and to re-enthroning ourselves and saying, I, just like, just like Lucifer did, I will, I will, I will, or I want, I want, or I want. And so, so David understands this, bears his soul to God, and we have to understand that confession is always the route to forgiveness. We see in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we know that because of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, God's just in forgiving us. He doesn't just sweep sin under the rug. He doesn't just simply say, well, you know, that's okay. I'll give you a pass on that one. You know, I'll give you a bye. Or anybody here plays golf, you know, that's a mulligan. Go ahead. No. He is just in saying it's forgiven because it has been paid. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin on the cross of Calvary. Sins confessed are sins forgiven. He says in verse 4, against you, you only have I sinned. He is totally and brutally honest in verse 6. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. He doesn't want us to, uh, to play around with, well, rationalize this. No, he wants truth. He wants us to be honest with ourselves and honest with him. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Here's the thing. We need to be completely honest with God. What's, why not? He knows anyway. He knows us better than we know ourselves. So why not be totally, brutally, openly honest with him when we confess our sin? And I think Psalm 51 bears reading from time to time when, when we find ourselves having uh, succumbed to temptation and we sin, and to read that psalm, and, and read that psalm as a prayer of confession before God. Honest confession brings complete cleansing. We see that in verse number 7. He says, Purge me with hyssop. And what? I shall be clean. That, again, as we said earlier, that goes to the ceremonial cleansing uh, to which David was referring. It was where God is able to pronounce someone clean or cleanse someone ceremonially so that they are able to go into the temple and to be able to partake with or partake in the uh, the time before God that the Jews would, would be before him. And he says, wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. This is referring to a, ju a judicial cleansing. This is where he says, I've sinned, but because you forgive me, the slate will be wiped clean. It won't be held against me. So we have a ceremonial cleansing, and we have a judicial cleansing. It is expunged. It is no longer there. If someone tries to say, well, David, you, before God, he will remember our sin, his sin no more. He will separate our sin as far as what? East is from the West. He says, Satan, if he tries to get you on, he, if he tries to call you on that, don't worry, because I won't remember it. And I'll tell Satan that. I won't remember it, because he says, I will remember your sin." no more. And then we see next that it was also, lastly, a cry of commitment. David had wrestled with 
his guilt and his sin for possibly a year, maybe a little over a year, and it has hurt him emotionally, it's hurt him spiritually, it's hurt him physically, he has been physically sick because of it, and so he confesses it, he bears out, he bears his soul before God, and then what David does is David commits himself to serving God. Verses 10 through verse 13. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right or renew a steadfast spirit within me. He says in verse 11, Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. David, remember what happened to Saul. David remembered that Saul was deposed as king. David remembers that God took the Holy Spirit away from Saul. And so David says, don't cast me out from your presence, and please, God, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then, verse 13, then, God, when I am thoroughly, completely cleansed and I am back in right back in your graces thanks to your generous grace and mercy he says then I will teach transgressors your ways I will take it upon myself God to tell others about the sinfulness of sin I will take it upon myself God to serve you with my life I will make it my life's mission to let everyone else know that you better be right with God. I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Isn't that a positive result? We say, well, what can be the positive result of sin? You know, we think, well, you know, we sin, it's horrible. But sin can have a positive result when it drives us back to God and when it causes us to renew our commitment to him now sin is never right we say well well I'll, I'll sin so therefore I can have more grace like like Paul's argument was that he figured the world would say no what did he say God forbid may it never be don't sin so you can get more grace don't sin so it'll maybe help you make no but if we do, let's at least redeem that experience and say, God, I will, or help me to use this failure as a catalyst to commit myself to you completely. Share the gospel and to be able to, to warn others about the sinfulness of sin. The confessing king wants a clean heart see that he was a crying king but he was also a confessing king he didn't, he didn't allow himself to wallow in self-pity oh woe is me i wish i could go back and undo he used this experience to reach out to god and confess to him david was sick of his sin he said the, the bones in me which you have broken david According to Spurgeon, this is another quote from Spurgeon. David is sick of sin as sin. His loudest outcries 
are against the evil of his transgression and not against the painful consequences of it. Let me read that again. David is sick of sin as sin. His loudest outcries are against the evil of his transgression and not against the painful consequences of it. As human beings, are we not so prone to say, God, oh, the, the, the consequences are more than I can bear. And we spend time, or we waste time, bellyaching about the consequences rather than mourning the sinfulness of our sin and saying, God, no matter how bad this is, not as bad as it could be. Because what did David, when he was confronted at another time with his sinfulness, numbering the people when, when David had, had sinned in other ways, and it was presented to him, well, what should we do? David said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to lay myself upon God's mercy and let God choose the consequence. Because David realized that God was the best one to determine what the sentence should be. It could always be worse. So David was David was distraught over the sinfulness of, sinfulness of his sin, and he didn't waste his time lamenting the consequences of it and saying, oh, this is terrible. This is not fair. We use that word sometimes. It's not fair. What I did wasn't so bad, and so why should I have this consequence? He said David was spending his time crying out against the sinfulness of sin rather than the painful consequences of it. David determines that his cleansing will, will result in a commitment, a commitment to share the gospel, a, a commitment to share that God's way is right, and he will teach sinners God's ways. And he said, in turn, sinners will turn to God. He says, then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. So what do we get from all of this, from Psalm 51? Well, I believe that God, that, and I know that God meets sinners where they are. He meets us wherever we are. David realized his sinfulness, although he had to be confronted with it, and I think that might have been the impetus for him to lay it out before God. He already knew it was wrong. He was wrestling with this, I know, because David was a man after God's own heart. And if David's heart was so soft toward God, I think it would have been difficult for David not to have his inside completely all knotted up for this period of time because he knew what he had done was wrong. Even though he was trying to get along, go and try not to deal with it, he realizes that this was something that he needed to do. So God meets sinners where they are. So my question this morning is, where are you? Are you harboring something? Maybe the Nathan in your life hasn't come to you. Maybe the prophet hasn't come to you and said, you're guilty of this. But maybe it's the Holy Spirit that's saying, that's nagging in the back of your mind. Do you remember when? That's sin. That's holding you back. So where are you? And my encouragement to you this morning is, confess, 
sinfulness to God. We confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when you do, don't stop there. Let's use David's model here as ours. Commit serving God with your life. Commit to serving him to use your mouth to say trust God. Obey God. The consequences are not worth it. Turn to him. And I think that when we share the gospel we are fulfilling God's mission for us that he's given us on this side of Calvary. He has entrusted us with the ministry of reconciliation. That we go to someone and say, hey, God wants to get, God wants you in his family. God says, you can be right with him. God says, you can have your sin forgiven. God says, you can have a brand new life. And I think there's so many people that are walking planet Earth today that would want nothing more than to have the slate wiped clean and have a brand new life they can sleep at night. We have that answer. Let's deliver the good news. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning we are we are so very thankful that you use the lives of your people to teach us. And we know, Lord, that that you have recorded things in your word for our example, for us to be able to see and to learn from others' experiences. Help us to learn from the experience of David. Lord, that we do not harbor sin, but that when we do disobey you, we commit. We are quick to confess and then commit our life to you. Father, this morning I pray for each one here today, maybe for any needs, cares, concerns, worries. And Lord, may we just simply rest on you, lean on you to know that while we are not in control, you are. Nothing takes you by surprise. While it may seem a burden to bear, whatever it is, whether it's physical ailment or financial or relational, Father, we know that you are in control. Nothing takes you by surprise, and you can provide the grace make it through. Father, you can provide miracles. Help us to pray continually. Help us to pray convinced. Lord, help us to know that you will provide the answer. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do in our lives. We trust pray this in Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen.